from John chapter 6 this morning. It's going to be a minute before I get there, but just so you're aware of where I'm going. So, okay. Good morning, Bethel OKC. How many of you guys don't know who I am at all? <laughs> awesome. Great. Drew, my, I'm Maccoby. Um, it's great to have you guys. I've been a part of this church, except for the last six months, for about six years. Um, so this is my family. We're family, even though you guys didn't even know me. So glad to have you. Um, so it says here in my notes that for the first little bit, like 10 minutes or so, during my introduction, I'm going to build rapport with you. And then at the end of my introduction, um, you guys are going to like me so much that you'll be ready to receive the word of the Lord from me. In fact, actually, it says in my notes that you're going to like me so much that all the walls in your heart are going to come crashing down. Amen. All right, any more testimonies? You guys already liking me better? Okay. So I had a few people ask me to share some stories um, with you guys about um, I was in CHOP for about four days. So CHOP was the autonomous zone in Seattle where um, Antifa and Black Lives Matter took over uh, like a six-block radius of the town. And... Um, and they kind of called it their own country. At first, it was CHOP, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Uh, excuse me, CHAZ, sorry. First, it was CHAZ, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Then it became CHOP, the Capitol Hill uh, Organized Protest. But anyway, it's a bunch of crazy people. And um, me and my buddies decided we want to go down there and share the gospel with these people. And I have a lot of amazing stories for you. And uh, a few people asked to hear them. One of the people that asked to hear them isn't here. So you guys are kind of getting that by default. Hope you don't mind. There was one man, and I'm doing this for a reason other than just to share stories with you because you're interested. I really want to build your faith um, for what the Lord wants to do through your life. But there was a man we met in this autonomous zone, and he had had a stroke that morning. Or excuse me, not a stroke, uh, a seizure. Sorry. He had a seizure that morning, and he had fallen really bad when he had the seizure. And he went to the, ambul- went to the hospital in an ambulance. And his, um, his back got really injured whenever he fell. And it was towards the end of the day, and he was, you know, um, he was out of the hospital. I think he was homeless, maybe. He might have been homeless. But he was in this park that we were at, this kind of the centralized location of the autonomous zone is in this big park. It's actually a really nice park in Seattle. And um, this man came up to us, and he, I said, you know, because we were serving food. And he said, I said, can I, is there anything we can pray for you about? He said, yeah, I have pain in my back. I had a seizure this morning. And he had, like, bandages all over him, like, I guess some of the treatment they do, he had like bandages on him. And um, so we prayed for him, and his back got totally healed. Praise God. And the, the, the real story about this is that I asked him after that, I said, hey, Jesus loves you. This is Jesus proving to you that he loves you, and he's alive, and he's real. And I invited him into a relationship with Jesus. And at that time, he was like, you know, I, I believe it all, but I, I he was pretty sincere. I was actually impressed with, with his sincerity. He, he, he believed it, I think. But he said, I'm just really not ready. I don't feel like ready to give my life to Jesus right now. And I said, that's okay, man. I bless you. Because, you know, we're called to sow seeds and also harvest, harvest the harvest. Um, reap the harvest. So I blessed him and I, I sent him on his way. Three hours later, he comes back and he says, you know, whenever I came up to you, I thought that my healing would leave because I didn't accept Jesus at that time. His back was still completely healed, and he said, I guess I didn't realize how God, how God is so good, and I want to give my life to Jesus. And he got baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he got saved. 
And in Romans 2, chapter 4, it says that the kindness of God is meant to lead us to repentance. And we get to be the ones that, that, that display the kindness of God. Because it's that that leads us to repentance. There was also a preacher out in, in CHOP um, that was preaching. You probably saw him on CNN. He was on CNN, ABC, and I got to talk to him. And he was this street preacher with, he had a little stereo and a microphone that connected the stereo. And he's preaching the Bible, but he's preaching really hatefully, angrily. And he was um, not seeing very much fruit. In fact, he was getting beat up and thrown out and they... Um, tore up his speaker and everything, and he just wasn't seeing fruit. And he was saying all the right things. He was preaching the Bible, but he was doing it not in love. And I just want to, this is just a testimony of what God showed me. It's Romans 2, chapter 4, the kindness of God leads men to repentance. That is so true. So if you can display the kindness of God, you will, by default, um, lead men to repentance. Isn't that amazing? You You can preach repentance without actually preaching repentance by showing the kindness of God if we really trust him, right? there's a man in a parking garage. I've got a lot of stories. I'm excited to share them. There's a man in a parking garage. Do you, who, who watched some of my videos I put on Facebook? Okay, so quite a few of you. So there's this man in a parking garage. He was on a rooftop of this parking garage, and he was yelling down. We were on our way back to our Airbnb. It was like late at night. It was probably midnight. And um, he was yelling down just like nonsense. This guy was crazy, whacked out on drugs, totally out of his mind. And he was like, he was kind of like half rapping, but half like being like a martyr. It was like a weird deal. It was, it, was, it was weird. And we said, hey, man, Jesus loves you. And he's like way up there, you know. And he said, "Jesus, if Jesus really loves me, come give me a hug. And so we ran up there, like circled around the parking garage so we could give this guy a hug. And we get up there, and he is like fully on demonized. Like he is filled with spirits, like not good. Um, and and there's four of us guys, so I wasn't ever nervous, but this guy's obviously demonized. He's obviously on drugs. He had Coke with him, actually. He had a bag of Coke. Um, and we get to praying for him. He, first, he's trying to preach to us. You know, he's trying to, like, you know, do this little thing. And he kinda, he's, like, rapping, like, spoken word rapping, but weird stuff. Talking about, well, if you watch the video, <laughs> if you watch the video, you can watch it. It's crazy. It's just crazy. And at one point, one of the, one of the guys in my group, he just says, I make fun of him. It's the funniest thing in the world. This guy's just talking. He's just, he, he doesn't stop talking for like five, ten minutes. We had to edit the video because the full video is like 20 minutes long. But he says, he stepped forward and he said, put your hands up. Say Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I'm not kidding you. The guy says, Jesus. Can you believe that? And I make fun of him all the time. I'm like, put your hands up. Say Jesus. I mean, literally, this guy's just like talking nonsense, ra- like rapping like a madman. And talking about all kinds of crazy, demonic stuff. And literally, my friend just puts his foot forward in authority. Put your hands up, say Jesus. And so we start praying for him. You know, this isn't Deliverance 101, right? <laughs> Put your hands up, say Jesus. And so we pray for him. And he starts like, <laughs> literally in a parking garage. Like real Bible stuff happening. He's like, and he starts like, and you can hear other voices. And it's like, it's like, real, it's like the real deal. And, um, and we keep praying for him. And, and then there was this one point where there's another breakthrough moment. And Gary, who's one of my friends, he says, freedom. And he kind of did this authoritative thing. And he stomped his foot. And the guy goes, and he goes flat on his back. Flat on his back. And then we start praying, God, fill him up with the Holy Spirit. And he starts speaking in tongues. This crazy madman who was talking about all kinds of nasty things five minutes ago, God delivered the demons. He starts speaking in tongues, and I, 
Like, you can't make this up. He falls asleep. And he starts snoring. I, like, you watch it on the video. I'm not lying. He falls back. He starts speaking in tongues. And then he goes. And we put the camera up to his face because you can hear. And he got up and he said, I haven't slept in like three days. That was so, like, he experienced peace in his soul. And he immediately fell asleep. And he was not asleep for 30 seconds. Like, he was asleep for, like, we had to decide, like, are we going to leave him? Are we going to carry him somewhere? Like, we, there was enough time that we were, like, kind of scrambling around trying to figure out what happened. Because nobody had ever seen somebody fall asleep. He eventually woke up and he started quoting scripture. And he was still kind of rapping, but he wasn't cussing anymore. He wasn't talking about bad stuff. And bottom line is, glory to God. A power encounter with God can literally change your life forever. Amen? It was so crazy. You should watch the video on that one. There was a Satanist. There was a lot of Satanists in Seattle, in CHOP. But there was a, a particular Satanist um, who was a security guard. And he was full on. He had the pentagram thing, and he was, like, just a full on Satanist. And he was also pansexual or bisexual. I can't remember one of the two. There's a lot of that. M most people were pansexual, I think, um, which means that you're attracted to anything, nece I, I think, necessarily. I probably shouldn't say that. I don't know what it is. Anyway. He was confused about his sexuality. And um, I wasn't even a part of this. But because we were there for several days and we were just loving on them, feeding them, we weren't like preaching this hard agenda. We were just loving them, offering them the kindness of God. At the end of the three days, he said, I've seen you guys. I've seen your faithfulness here. I've seen how you, like you're not here for you. I mean, that, that's kind of, because that preacher, he was there to do something. He was his agenda, Right. And we were there to love people. Love was our first agenda, our, our first agenda, right? And out of that comes healing and preaching the gospel and, and delivering. But our love was the overarching reason we were there. And he saw that. And so after three days, the Satanist repents of everything. He renounces everything he's done with Satanism. He gets baptized in water, a repentance baptism. He gives his life to Jesus. And then he gets filled with the Spirit and starts speaking in tongues. A Satanist with a pentagram. And he... Come on, guys. It's amazing. Oh, man, I love Jesus. <clears throat> what time are we supposed to be done? <laughs> 12? Oh, Lord. 6 p.m. I like that. Okay, there was, I'm gonna, I'll try to hurry. There was one guy who, um, and I want, I'll tell you this one for a reason, too. There's one guy who had um, back pain. I think it was like normal stuff, but he had had back pain for like 17 years, constantly. It was like an 8 out of 10, so very intense back pain. And he was very stiff. His muscles were extremely stiff all the time. And he also had a lump on his knee, and that caused him pain too. And I actually, I, I gave him a word of knowledge. I said, hey, man, you have pain on your knee, don't you? And you have back, I think I maybe call that both, or one of the, one of the two, or, or both. And he says, um, he says, yeah, how did you know that? You know, I explained to him, and I prayed, and literally all the pain left, in, like, immediately. All the pain left, um, which isn't always common. Sometimes you have to pray two or three times. But the next day, he came to me, and he literally showed me how his knee was normal. And, he, and, and I had seen it the day before. There was a big, like, ball on his knee where there was, like, a, uh, like a, what's it called, a bone spur, I think it was, on his knee, on the side of his knee. And the, the thing was gone, and he had, didn't have any pain. And he gave his life to Jesus. So I could share a lot of stories like that. There was one guy who couldn't walk upstairs 
because his knees were so bad, he had to like keep his knees, he couldn't like really bend them. But we prayed, and then he was like squatting, walking upstairs. That one's on Facebook, you can watch that. And me and Reese, we've, we were at a conference this week called Oklahoma Supernatural Intensive, and me and Reese went into Walmart um, during lunch or after lunch. And we just went around talking to people for, I think we were there for maybe 40 minutes, like not very long at all. You can, you, you're, it's amazing what God can do with 40 minutes of your time. We talked to this young man who had pain in his shoulder. He worked at Walmart. His name is Easton, actually. Um, we prayed for him a couple times. He didn't get totally healed, and so I was really discouraged. But then at the end, he tells me that he has been struggling with his faith. And he talked to God last night. He prayed to God last night. And he said, I asked God to send me a sign because I'm, I was really about to quit my faith. I was about to quit going to church and stop believing in God. Last night, he prayed that. Right, Reese? And, like, we just have 40 minutes, we're going to go to Walmart. You know, hey, let's go pray for some people at Walmart. And literally, there's a young man who's about to, like, stop believing in Jesus who says, God, send me a sign. And, and literally, we pray for him. He gets mostly healed. But really, what happens is that he gets his sign. And then there's a uh, last story for now. There, uh, another woman at, uh, woman at Walmart that me and Reese prayed for. Her name was Sarah. She works at Walmart also, and um, she's had bleeding ulcers in her stomach for several years, I think three years, two or three years. And, um, and she's had constant nausea, and she had thrown up several times that day. She was having a really bad day. She had thrown up several times during her shift at Walmart. She had bleeding ulcers in her stomach, and she'd had constant nausea, constant pain for years, two years or three years. So, like, this woman, is, she's on constant medication, very uncomfortable all the time. And we pray two, I think we pray three times and, and nothing happens. We pray three times and nothing happens. Or maybe, maybe we pray two times and nothing happens. And she says this to me. And I'm starting to learn that God is talking to me when people say this. She says, it's okay. I've had it for so long. I'm used to it. I can handle it. But thank you guys. And she kind of gives us a way out. You know, it's, 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 a, it's graciously like, hey, thanks for trying. You know, you guys are awesome. You know, it's okay. I'm, I'm used to it. I, I, I can deal with it. Thank you guys for trying. But when I hear that now, I know the Lord is, is hinting me to press forward. So we pray one more time, and she literally, she almost starts crying. I think she did tear up, but she said, literally all the pain is gone. And she can't believe it. She's, like, telling her coworkers, like, what's going on? And, like, she got totally healed from bleeding ulcers. And she, after not having any sort of comfort in her stomach for two or three years, she said, all the pain is gone. There's no nausea. There's no pain. After two years of constant nausea pain. Right, Reese? Any of that story made up at all? It's what happened. And I, I tell you these stories um, just to really brag on what the, Lord, what the Lord can do. But I also want you to know that I really believe, um, like Brandon said, I went off to Orlando to learn a little bit about evangelism. And I really believe, in my heart for Africa um, and some of the, like, the nations is very much like I want to go. I'm really on fire. But I really want to tell you guys, honestly, my heart for Oklahoma City I have never, ever been more excited about what God wants to do in Oklahoma City. And I could be in Africa many times a year. My schedule could be full, just with the, not because I'm awesome, but because of the opportunities and connections I have with Christ for All Nations. I could be serving them in Africa multiple times a year. I could, I could be in Africa. Well, there was an internship I could have done to be in Africa. But what I want to tell you is that God wants to do something radical and amazing in Oklahoma City.
And I'm serious. And I, you've probably heard it before. And I don't mean to be cliche. I'm not, I'm not up here prophesying something great and big. But I'm just telling you the truth. I've seen in my dreams. I've seen it in my imagination. God wants to do something absolutely incredible in Oklahoma City. And I really believe he wants to use this body of people to, to be a part of that. The harvest is coming. And I heard the Lord say, the harvest parade is at your doorstep. I really believe that it's not necessarily like we're waiting on God. I really believe it's that God is waiting on us. Okay, I'm going to give you, um, let's, let's play that video of Muhammad. Actually, let me, uh, let me prep it real quick. So, the harvest is coming to Oklahoma City, right? How many of you believe me? Authentically, you believe me, what I'm, what I'm saying. Okay, so this harvest isn't going to come by us. What's the words that I said? I had to write down the smart words because I don't even know them. Outlining our expository theology. I don't even know, I don't, you know, I don't even know what that means. I just kind of come up with some smart words. But, and, and like that stuff is good. There was, a, there was a, um, a guy, Apologetics on Fire is his ministry, and he teaches apologetics. I think that's awesome. But that is not what is going to bring the harvest. And we're going to watch a video. And I really believe that the Lord is on this. But this video is of a guy named Muhammad. And he is a Muslim man. His whole family is Muslim. That's all he has ever known is being Muslim. And he wasn't supposed to be in the town square. I forget what it's called. He wasn't supposed to be in this town square. He lives in another place. He came to this city. I think it's Accra in Ghana to visit his family. He wasn't supposed to be in this main square, but he happened to be sleeping in the main square because he missed his bus, okay? So this guy is there. He's not supposed to be there. Let's play the video, and you guys will see what happens. Can we turn the lights down while... uh And turn it up real loud, please. That's Accra. I'll translate. Anybody who knows me would know that after today and yesterday, my life has changed. <laughs> yeah, can you guys... Pause it while you're trying to figure that out so we don't, spoiler alert, don't watch. <laughs> oh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta listen. It's amazing. Really quick, while they're getting that ready, you guys go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 through 6.
Reese, will you come up here and read that whenever you get it? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Leopards are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Okay, play that video. Keep Matthew 11 in mind. My father and my mother, they all are Muslim. I was born a Muslim. I know at this moment I'm sitting down here, anybody who know me will know that after today and yesterday, my life has changed. A lot of things yesterday happened to me. I was deaf. Before somebody called me to give me something, I have to hit me. I can't hear. I spent a lot of money because of medicine for this, my ears. Saturday morning, I came to Accra to visit my own brothers. So after visiting them, I was coming back to go Tema. It was very late and the train left. So I just went and slept at this place. Be healed right now in the name of Jesus. my ears sound and I was healed that immediately I was healed I went to the people I said no let me testify this I was deaf my name is Mohammed I I have a problem for my ears for almost two years I when you speak, I don't understand. I can't hear very well. So I have this problem for two years. So I, I'm not even trying to come here. You didn't know what it was. I came from Tema. I came to Kanesin. By going to take a train, I make late. So I say, let me come to the Independence Square. You see? I came to Independence Square. I was sitting down here, just here. I did not even... I did not do anything. So I, I wake up and I, I, I can hear and the ears was telling me I can hear. People who know me can testify that I am very happy. I think uh, Jesus is, is, a, is a 
Jesus is, is, is a God. He understands me. I was not born to be deaf. I was not born to worship a God that I did not know. I'm telling you, I am standing here. I can hear. I can be able to speak again. I will walk again for my work, and then I will feel very, very nice. I thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God. You know who has healed you? It's, it's, it's messenger of the Lord Almighty God. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. And, and then I know that even the Quran tells me that if you are a Muslim and you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you are not a movement. You are not Muslim. So I, I believe that it's like that. Yeah. I thank all. I thank God to. I can hear. I, I can feel it. I, my ears is good. I thank God. I thank the Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, my friends. Nobody else opens the ears of the deaf. Only Jesus. He, he is not just a messenger. He is the son of the living God. He is the way and the truth and the life. Say amen. I appreciate anybody who know me and see my face. My name is Mohammed and I came from Gambaga. Let me tell my wife that Jesus is the Son of God. And let me tell him that I am here. I am now a Christian. That's good. I believe that Jesus is the only one person that man Tell my wife that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Even John the Baptist, when he was in prison, he was asking, are you the one that we are looking for? Are you the one who is to come? And what did Jesus say? The blind hear and the deaf can hear. Excuse me. The blind see. Let me just read it. The blind can see and the deaf can hear and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed. It's not just the Muslims that are asking, are, is Jesus really the Son of God? Oklahoma City is asking and they're looking to us and they say, is Jesus the Son of God? And we have to have the same answer that Jesus had when he was in prison. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame can walk. The dead are being raised, the lepers are cleansed. The harvest of Oklahoma City and the harvest of America will not come with apologetics. It will not. We will not argue people into following Jesus with their life. We will not argue people into falling in love with Jesus. How can you argue someone? Like these people that I talked to you at CHOP at Chaz. These people need a power encounter with a real and living God. And how is God real and living if he's not speaking or moving? Whenever you don't speak and you don't move, you are dead. And if you see a dead church in America, it's because God is not speaking or moving. But my friends, is it God that's dead or is it our hearts that are dead? This man says, tell my wife, he's a Muslim, all he ever knows, he's, not, he's never known anything but being a Muslim. 
that Jesus is a messenger, and he even says it. And then Daniel Glennis said, Jesus is not a messenger. He's not just a messenger of the Lord God Almighty. He is the only Son of God. The blind see, the deaf can hear. Lepers are cleansed. The lame walk, the dead are being raised. Tell John the Baptist to believe these things. If there's a dead church in America, it's not because God is dead. God has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If there's a dead church in America, it's because we do not display the power and the love of a living God. My friends, if, if there is to be a harvest in Oklahoma City, which I've seen in my dreams, I've seen in my mind, I promise you I've seen it. And I hear the Lord say, the, the harvest parade is at your doorstep. And they're not, it's not like we're waiting on God to do it, Lord. It's like God is waiting on us to open the door. God is waiting on us to be the power encounter. How, I, there were at least 50 people that gave their life to Jesus at CHOP. And many more that got healed, many more that got delivered. Many got baptized in water, many got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when they go to these countries in Africa, the, all they ever, the, his family is entirely Muslim. He doesn't know about Christianity. He doesn't know that Jesus might be the Son of God. And John, even John the Baptist, who made the way for Jesus to come, has a moment of doubt in prison. He's about to die. And he says, are you the one who is to come? And Jesus says, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the lepers are cleansed. The harvest comes through us. The harvest comes by us displaying the power and the love of a living God. Anyway, that's not my sermon. Sorry, guys. I have ten minutes. All right. All right. Are you guys in love with me yet? My rapport is built. You guys are ready to receive the word of the Lord from me? I thought that was funny at the beginning. I'm going to do that next week at that church too. I thought it was funny. All right, let's go to John chapter 6. I want everybody to say, oh, raise, actually, before you do that, raise your hands. Raise your hands, say Jesus. Now I say this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Stand up. Everybody stand up. And say this like you mean it. I don't want to hear any whispers. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. All right, we're going to do it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. To proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. To release the oppressed. 
or to set at liberty those who are oppressed. How do you feel? Do you know that anointing is not what comes upon you when you're supposed to do something? This may be counterintuitive. Maybe it's wrong, but this is what I think. You are anointed. And because you are anointed, which means set apart for service, as believers, we are set apart for service. John said, those who believe in me, these things will follow them that believe. And he lifts off that, lists off that same list of things. The blind hear, the blind hear. The blind can already hear. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. You are anointed. And because you are anointed, because, it says that, because you are anointed, the Spirit of God comes upon you. It's not the anointing that has to come upon you in a moment of you're about to do something crazy. The anointing is already on you because you are called and set apart for God's service. For service in his kingdom. You are already called. You are already set apart. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you because. And then Jesus reads from, from the scroll of Isaiah that list of things. Do you believe that? All right. You can sit down. Be seated. Eight minutes. <laughs> Is there anybody here named Ashley? Or you know an Ashley very close to you? Okay, I just kept hearing that name. All right, go to John chapter 6. Verse 35. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And when Jesus said this, he had just recently fed over 5,000 people. He had multiplied the, the bread from the loaves and the fishes. You know that story? And the people followed him because they wanted more bread. They really liked that sign. And I, I mean, I'm, I, I would also really like that sign. And the people followed him, and they followed him across the sea because they wanted more bread. But Jesus said to them, In verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, this is verse 30, 27, excuse me. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which, is the, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. And in verse 28, they ask him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And in verse 29, he answers him like this, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. The work of God is that you believe in him who he has sent. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven, and the bread I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Verse 53. So, you see, Jesus was sent to the earth because God was missing his children. Sin messed up our relationship with God, right? 
Sin messed up our relationship with God. And so Jesus was sent to redeem us from the curse of our sin so that we could be with our Father. Amen? Because there is a separation between God and man because of sin. And Jesus says he was dying on the, the bloody cross. And he, blood was pouring out of him in every direction. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, as Jesus took his last breath, <laughs> the very first thing that happened, Matthew says, immediately, the veil in the temple, the veil that separated sinful man from a perfect loving father was torn in two from top to bottom. Jesus came not because we had a sin problem. The only reason he had to get rid of sin is because that was what was separating us from him. You see, Jesus didn't die because he hates sin so much. He died because he loves you so much that he had to get rid of sin. He had to pay the price for sin. And here in John 6, Jesus himself is testifying of himself. I am the bread of life that was sent down from heaven. And there's no life unless you partake of my body you take part of my blood. And everybody except for the 12, or mostly everybody except for the 12, left after Jesus said this because they didn't understand. So there's a crowd that followed him across the sea because they wanted more bread. But when Jesus said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood if you want to have life in you, they all left because they didn't understand and they were offended. Jesus was saying that we have to partake in his death. We have to partake in his sacrifice for us. And what does it say the works of God are? Is that we believe in the one whom he sent. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not go hungry, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Come and believe. Those are the two commands. Come to me and believe in me. That is eating his flesh. That is drinking his blood. It's taking part in the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross because otherwise we'd have to pay it ourselves. Amen? Nobody wants to do that, right? Anybody want to pay their own, the price for their own sin? Good. I'm going to tell you a story. It's a really good one. You guys all right? Am I being too serious? I think it's important for us to remember sometimes that Jesus died a bloody, nasty death on a, on a cross because he wanted to be with us. He didn't do it for some big theological reason. He didn't even do it to start a religion. You know that Jesus didn't come to start a religion? He came to open up and make possible a relationship with you. It was never about churches or prayer all that stuff, and that stuff is very important, but I'm saying he did it so he could be with you, literally, not only in heaven, but also on earth. So, there was a pet store owner. <laughs> there was a pet store owner. I've got three minutes. That clock is running like 20 seconds a minute. There was a pet store owner, okay? He owned a pet store. You guys know what a pet store is? It's where they sell animals to be your family. It's a big scam. Somebody over here make a squawk like a bird. I said over here. Silent bird. Somebody over here bark like a dog. All right, now somebody over here meow like a cat. Now do it all at the same time. 
Okay, all right, all right. That's what a pet store is. There's animals everywhere, okay? I just did that to embarrass you guys. There's no point. I just want to embarrass you. So, the report, the, my report, the report I'd built is gone. That's okay. Listen, there's a pet store. A woman walks into this pet store. She explains to the pet store owner, sir, I'm so lonely. My, my children went off to college. My husband's always at work. My house used to be filled with life and smells and, and sounds, but now it's just me and my husband, and he's hardly ever there. I really want a pet so I can feel less lonely. And so the pet store owner says, stop right there. I know exactly what you need. And he brings out this beautiful parrot. He said, this parrot speaks over 250 words. It knows three different languages. I promise if you buy this parrot, you will not feel lonely in your house anymore. I guarantee it. So the woman bought the parrot and she left. How many of you are like, how the heck is this going into the sermon? It's all right. So she took the parrot home and she brings it back the next day to the pet store. She says, sir, my parrot hasn't said a word to me. Is there something wrong? He's like, I don't know, but I, I know what we can try. We try this. Buy the parrot a mirror. Put it in the cage. He will see his own beauty, and surely he will speak. So she bought the mirror, and she left, and she went home. But the next day, she was back at the pet store. And the pet store owner said, I don't know why he's not talking to you. Let's try this. Buy the parrot a ladder and put it up on this cage so he can climb up and down the ladder. And once he climbs up and down the ladder, he will feel accomplished and surely he will speak to you then. She says, okay, I hope it works. And she buys the ladder and she leaves. And that night the man prayed, God, please make this parrot talk so this woman doesn't get mad at me. But the, the next day she was back. But this time she, he, she came walking in from the sidewalk and she busted through the doors. And she pointed her finger at the pet store and she said, you, sir, are a liar. This parrot hasn't said one word to me. It surely doesn't know 250 words, especially not in three languages. And if I wanted something that was just going to stink up my house and not say a word to me, then I would have just invited my son back home from college. The man said, okay, ma'am, please have mercy. Let me try one more thing. I think I know what the problem is. It's a different environment. Let's put a swing in the cage. And he will swing and you will feel comforted, and then I guarantee he will speak to you. So she said, fine. She bought the swing, and she left. Reese, we move this right over here for me? Thank you, sir. She bought the swing, and she left. And that night, the man got on his knees, and he prayed to God, please, God, please make this parrot sing. I don't want to see this woman in my store ever again. I'll never say another cuss word. The next day, the woman was back. But this time, she wasn't angry. She came down. Her countenance had fallen. She was sad. She walked through the door. She looked up at the pet store owner. She said, my parrot died last night. But he did say one sentence to me before he died. Don't they sell any food at that pet store? Friends, how often do we do this to ourselves? We look for life in every wrong place. Sometimes we may look in the mirror. We may look at our own beauty, at our own strength, 
at our Enneagram number. We may look at our personality and who we are, but you will be left unsatisfied if you look in the mirror. Maybe we try to find life by climbing a ladder and we try to get higher and higher, make friends, make better friends, make more money, get nicer stuff all the time, and you look for life in the ladder of your job or of your social circle, but you were left hungry for life. Maybe you've swung, maybe from relationship to relationship, maybe from job to job or career to career, maybe from substance to substance, and you've swung and you've been looking for life, trying different things, trying to find life where it does not exist. My friends, John 6.35 says, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not go hungry. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And I want to say, if you feel hungry and thirsty in your soul, it's because you're trying to find life in every wrong place. You might be looking in the mirror. You might be climbing the ladder. You might be swinging. But you're looking for life in the wrong spot. Jesus is the bread of life. And he who comes to me, Jesus said, will not go hungry. And he who believes in me will not go thirsty. And I have a simple invitation this morning. If you're tired of buying into Satan's cheap tricks, because Satan will sell you all kinds of stuff to try to help you find life and make you find life other than the bread of life, He will get you to go anywhere and do anything you can to try to pour your life behind something that will not give you life in return. Because he doesn't want you to taste of that bread. He doesn't want you to drink. Jesus satisfies. He satisfies completely and he satisfies eternally. I want to give an invitation to you this morning. If you want to be satisfied by the bread of life himself. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die so you could call yourself a Christian. People were already praying before Jesus died on the cross, you know. They were already praying to God before Jesus died on the cross. People were already going to church before Jesus died on the cross. People were already meeting together and calling themselves Christ followers and worshiping before Jesus died on the cross. But what happened when Jesus died on the cross and his actions reveal his motives, his first action after Jesus died on the cross is that the veil was torn. He said you could partake of the bread of life and be satisfied and feel the life in your soul that you are always meant to find. And I find so many people. The number one thing I find with people is that I feel like I was born for a purpose, but I don't know what it is, and I know that I'm not living it. It's because they're trying to find life in every wrong place, my friends. Jesus satisfies. In fact, he's the only one who satisfies. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. That he died on that cross and he endured everything that he endured, not for an organized religion, not so he could have a pull in the political polls, not so that he could be crowned king. 
He died because of the joy that was set before him. And you are that joy. Because when God sees you, it gives him joy. He loves you and he died to know you so that you could experience life in him, life more abundantly. I want to give you an invitation this morning to come to the front, not to talk to me, but to taste of the bread of life. We put some music on, some, something sweet and seductive. Guys, I know I'm being funny, and I know this is a very serious thing. I know you, most of you probably are a Christian, if not every single one of you. But even in, in church culture, you know, what I was saying earlier about if we have a dead church, it's not because we have a dead God. It's because we have a dead heart. And if you have a dead heart, my friends, it's because you haven't tasted the bread of life. Or maybe you're not tasting and partaking in the bread of life. Maybe you're not eating his flesh. Maybe you're not drinking his blood. And I want to give you an opportunity to come up here and to eat the bread of life and to drink the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to pray real quick. And if you just come and kneel at the altar, whatever you want to do. Jesus, I thank you for dying on a cross so that we could know you. I thank you, Jesus, that we get to experience what life was really meant to feel like in our souls. That we don't have to go hungry and we don't have to go thirsty. We don't have to look in the mirror to try to find life. We don't have to climb a ladder to try to find life. We don't have to swing from thing to thing, relationship to relationship, or party to party, or group to group to try to find life. Jesus, you are the bread of life. Thank you that we get to partake in you. We get to eat your flesh and drink your blood. If you feel God working on your heart, if you feel God moving in your heart, I just ask that you would do him a favor, do yourself a favor, and come to the front, come to the altar, and partake of the bread of life.